It is the 200 level episode 141 as of yet untitled. Mike Carpenter here at the start of the fourth quarter, 21-14. Iowa leading Illinois after a 14-0 lead for Illinois after one quarter. Felt really good through 15 minutes. And then the last 30 minutes of game time, not so much. Third and seven coming up here for Illinois. A big third down, and they have not converted many of these in the last two quarters. So here we go. Brandon Peters and Shotgun. We'll get to the formalities here in just a second. Third and seven. 1420 to go. Peters back, some pressure, and he goes down at the 17-yard line. The ball comes loose, but it looks like that was after the whistle. Iowa pumped up, understandably so. They're playing really well right now, and Illinois not so much. So there's a lot to unpack in this game, and I actually thought this was going to go the complete opposite direction. After one quarter, it kind of felt like you were looking at the Nebraska game, where we appeared to be the better team. We were controlling the line. We were running in between the tackles with no problem. Iowa, no consistency on offense. You felt like you had the better quarterback. Now I'm not even so sure of that. Brandon Peters started out 8 for 8. He's now 10 for 18. I'm no accountant, but I'm pretty sure that means he's 2 for his last 10. And some of them have been just outright bad throws. Full start here on a punt, so Illinois will move back even further towards their own end zone. So I say a lot to unpack. And... (laughs) With Illinois football, it's just a series of Saturdays where you have these glimmers of hope, maybe, and then they are just quickly wiped away. I can recall, actually, two years ago, it was the 63 nothing game, and I tailgated with Lon out in a very muddy lot 31. And I thought, you know what, what the heck? We're, I think at that point, four and seven, or four and six, and technically we're still in the running for a bowl game if you happen to get a big upset against Iowa and then Northwestern the following week. And after, I think, one series, Illinois may have gotten a three and out or even a turnover. And you're thinking, well, okay, you got A.J. Bush. The offense has had their moments this year. Maybe you have a game that you're competitive. And that quickly was wiped away. Now, this game is the inverse of that a little bit because you have legitimate reason to be excited up 14-0. Legitimate reason. You outgained them by a, a margin of like 5-1. to one. They couldn't uh, They couldn't convert any third down. I think they were one for their first five. And meanwhile, you were converting most of your third downs. And then it all flipped, right? And the last two quarters as Iowa gets a big run here and they look to expand this lead. They're down at the Illinois 15 with 13-19 to go. This feels familiar. The margin's not going to be anywhere like it was two years ago. But while last year's game at Iowa City was competitive, this one, at the end of the day, not so much. And you know, the funny thing is it's one score game. You're a pick six or something away from tying this up and getting some mojo back, but it doesn't feel like that's going to happen the way that I was playing. And the one thing that they do well, they do so well, is they don't ever beat themselves. They require you to play at least a B-plus game, a clean football game to beat them. And Illinois has not done that today. And not so much of the way of turnovers. They just haven't kept the damn ball. Like The offense has been three and out, punting it left and right for the last two quarters as we have a touchdown here for Iowa. That will ex- expand the lead now to 27-14. We'll take a look at the replay, but it looks like Sean Beyer, another one of their white tight ends that they seemingly churn out in a laboratory. I'm not sure. He gets a touchdown there to expand this lead to a two-possession game. So as we go forward, Play-by-play, I don't know how much I'm going to do because I don't know how much of that's going to be of interest. It just seems like we are in this sort of endless cycle, endless cycle of not that great football. And you have these little moments that make you think, well, I guess maybe it could work with Lovey, maybe it could. And in this COVID-impacted year, it would take a disastrous finish to the year for Josh Whitman to probably make a move. 
Unfortunately, that might be on the table, the way that this game is going with Northwestern looming, despite what happened for Northwestern in their last game at Michigan State. You don't feel all that great about it. Now, they are going uh, to review this, but chances are even if they <laughs> even if they wipe it off with a review, they'll find another white guy in the seam for a 15, 20-yard touchdown. As we are in this official review, you can tell I'm probably not in the best of moods today. That's That goes without saying, but that's what Illinois football will do to you. Real quick, Isaac and uh, Trevor and Harry. Harry's got work. Isaac and Trevor each have stuff going on this Saturday. It's Trevor's birthday. Happy belated birthday, I should say, to Trevor. It was Friday, so he's doing some socially distanced stuff with his family outside. Isaac doing some errands, which that's what Saturdays are good for. And as I get in my group thread with friends, I noticed that this was not appointment television. Though I do have a friend that is at the game with uh, their dad, who is working with the DIA, and I guess there were a couple of family tickets that weren't claimed, so they get to experience, I guess, history, and it looked for one quarter like they'd experienced more than more than one ways, uh, some history, with Illinois getting over that 12-year slump, schneid against the Iowa program, six straight losses. They do confirm the touchdown to make it 27-14. So before we go further and talk about the Lovey Smith era, because isn't that what we love doing here on the 200 level, talking about Lovey frickin' Smith. Got to remind you, the 200 level is brought to you by DPDO online at dpdo.com for all the best deals and prices. And you can use coupon code Mike for $5 calzones, $6 premium and construction zones, at dpdo.com. And best of all, they'll deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana so you can stay in the comfort of your home, stay warm, and they will bring a piping hot calzone to your doorstep. That's dpdo.com. Use coupon code Mike for $5 calzones at dpdo.com. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com. Use coupon code 200 level or the 200 level, either one works, for 10% off your order. And as we approach Christmas, no better gift for the Illini fan in your life. Yes, there's still Illinois basketball. Don't let the doldrums of the Lovey Smith era fool you. There are plenty of great things you can wear as Io and the rest of the gang uh, keep that top 10 ranking, I would presume. And the big opportunity Tuesday night against Duke. I know what I'm wearing that game Tuesday night. Some of my 4th and Kirby swag. Get yours today at 4thandkirby.com. And State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Auto, home, renters, business, life insurance, whatever it may be. You get the State Farm prices, of course. And then you also get personalized service. We had uh, our first experience with Brian with homeowners and auto as we moved into our new house. It was seamless. It was easy. There are people that you can trust, and we've known Brian for quite a while. So he gets the stamp of approval, as do all the sponsors of the 200 level. But I can speak from experience. Go to brianismyguy.com. That's brianismyguy.com for State Farm Agent Brian Hansen. Illini Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. And if you want to help us out, word of mouth is great. Let the Illini fan in your life know that the 200 level is a cool little podcast and they get about two or three each week, especially through Illini basketball season. And you can rate and review us, Apple Podcasts especially. That gives us a big boost when people search Illini in Apple Podcasts. And we move up the charts with the help of your ratings and reviews. And we've got some really good ones in the last month. So we appreciate all that. All right, so we're going to have a busy schedule. We thought that tonight there was going to be an Illinois basketball game against Tennessee Martin. That ends up getting canceled. The first time that we've had our schedule impacted by COVID-19, probably not the last, but hopefully not the first of many. And if you are going to have a game called off, better this one than a big matchup like Duke on Tuesday night. Hopefully that goes off without a hitch. Was disappointed to find out this morning that Baylor and Gonzaga was not going to be played. Was excited to see just how good Baylor was. I think they would have affirmed a lot of our 
hopes that you know that we have lost to maybe the number one team in the nation. Baylor and Gonzaga would have been a great game. You don't get that because Gonzaga has a couple of positive tests on their team. So it will happen. I'm glad it was only Tennessee Martin. I wish we could have cleansed the palate with a nice blowout victory. But I don't know how much it would have mattered ultimately. You just got to get on the court Tuesday in Durham and get the job done. It's not a must win. It's not. But in terms of non-conference opportunities, they're, they're few and far between. You get Missouri next Saturday, and that is by no means a gimme. They've beaten number 21-ranked Oregon. That was Wednesday night as well, I think, as we were uh, losing to Baylor in that second half. I saw that score come across and thought, you know what, I, that matchup, knowing the way Missouri's played against Illinois the last couple of years, that is not going to be easy. So Tuesday night, not a must-win. But man, wouldn't you feel great if you got it? You keep that in your back pocket as Duke inevitably goes on their run in the ACC and you have a marquee win to help boost your seating. So that would have been tonight. Cleanse the palate, watch some Illini basketball. We were not going to do a post-game podcast for that. We were just going to stick to this football game, which I thought was going to be more competitive. And don't let the scoring margin, which right now is 14 points, don't let that fool you into thinking that this ultimately was a competitive game. Unfortunately, like so much of the Levy Smith era, the good parts of it seem like the aberration. In the first quarter, you go up 14-0. Brandon Peters, 8-for-8 eight eight passing. Nice mix of run and pass. Josh Amaterbebe with some typical Josh snags. And you're feeling really good about your chances in this game because you know that Iowa's offense isn't all that great. Well, Iowa has scored, I think this is correct, in six of their last seven or five of their last six possessions. There was one punt after four straight scores, which included two touchdowns and two field goals. So they're rolling now. Isaiah Williams in a quarterback. I don't know if this is for the series, if it's some gadget plays, we'll see. But what you're finding is this is what I feared after the Wisconsin game. And as much fun as the Nebraska game was two weeks ago, as Isaiah Williams rushes for eight yards here in his first play, as much as I was having a good time watching that and thinking, well, you know, you could win a few more games this year, certainly not Ohio State, but Iowa and Northwestern make it interesting and then that final game of the year in week nine against a Big Ten East opponent and that there was still a path towards a respectable season where you think, okay, I guess you move on and you don't feel awful about the future of this program. But as we sit here today, it's just everything comes flooding back. The Lovey Smith era as a whole, and don't let these jokers on FS1 fool you. They gave this somewhat impassioned defense of the Lovey Smith era at Illinois, saying he's massively upgraded the talent, and don't let the record, the 17-37 and 37 record, fool you. He's really turned things around here. No, he hasn't. He has not. You aren't awful like you were in years one, two, or three, but you aren't good. And in year five, you need to at least be kind of good. The one in Nebraska and the one in Rutgers, that alone is not what a good team makes. I just did a total Yoda grammar thing there, so apologies for that, but that alone is not sufficient, even in this COVID-19 year. And the narrative that I thought was going to be the case after the first quarter, the way that Brandon Peters was throwing the ball, I thought, man, if Illinois wins this game, then they totally have a justified narrative that you didn't have Brandon Peters in there for the first three games, and therefore, more than any reason, that's why you lost maybe the Purdue game or the Purdue and Minnesota games combined. The Brandon Peters would have made the difference. Well, guess what? We're seeing Brandon Peters as we did in 2019. He's fine, but he's not that good. He makes some throws that make you think, well, that guy with his arm and his size and his running ability, he could get a sniff from an NFL team. And maybe he will for all I know. But I was hearing the same damn thing about Wes Lunt back in the day. And guess what? He wasn't all that good, at least not at this level. And it doesn't help that Brandon Peters is not surrounded by maybe the best offense in the world, but he has enough. He has enough to be better, and he's not. 
Now, this is not rag on Brandon Peters episode. I, I don't mean it to be that, but eventually that is sort of the sign of your program, your quarterback position in year five. It's a transfer and he has had his moments. He led you to a bowl game last year, but not the program changing guy. And if you look at previous Alani coaches, the ones that have had fleeting success, and when they did have that success, it was far more meaningful than what Lovey did last year going to the Red Box Bowl. You look at Ron Turner, he had Kurt Kittner. You look at Ron Zook, he had Juice Williams. You need a quarterback, especially if you're Illinois. You need a really special quarterback if you're going to truly change the program around. Maybe Isaiah Williams is that. Brandon Peters is not. And that is no fault of his own necessarily, but the inconsistency after a full offseason with this offense, the inconsistency is maddening. And it's why, before the Nebraska game, I said, I'd rather just see Isaiah Williams. And sure, I ate crow on that Saturday. I did. But against good defenses, how good has Brandon Peters been? And it looks like he's been benched in this game. Down two scores. You aren't technically out of it. And they're going with Isaiah Isaiah Williams for the first time. After I think he played in the slot for the first play of the game. And other than that, you didn't see Isaiah Williams today. So you even see a coaching staff that doesn't really know what they got. Or they aren't sure which path to go down. And to me, in year five, that's inexcusable. The quarterback situation is just one of them, right? Isaiah Williams is a guy that I'm looking forward to in the future. I just don't necessarily want to see him with this coaching staff. Actually, I don't want to see anyone with this coaching staff. If if I had my druthers, we would move on from this, regardless of if they get another win this season or not. And my fear is that you get to week nine and Josh Whitman, knowing the financials, and seeing the wins against Nebraska and Rutgers, that he might think going into Week 9, if you just beat that Big Ten East team, well, guess what? You get your third one of the season. You can use the injury narrative for the first three losses of the year, or at least the Purdue-Minnesota game, and you move on from there. And if you had any other momentum in terms of recruiting, how you felt about the 2021 roster, the 2022 roster, that's fine. You can do that. You could make that argument, and I would say, you know what? I don't love the Lovey Smith era, but... I see why there are things to look forward to. I'm just not sure how many things there are to look forward to if you tell me that the same coaching staff is coming back next year. And for the love of God, do not give me a tail end of the Ron Zook era band-aid on a gaping wound where we say, well, love, you got to go get a D coordinator. You got to get a new offensive coordinator. Because essentially, that says you're going for another couple years with Lovey Smith as your head coach. What offensive or defensive coordinator worth the salt, worth their salt, I should say, is going to come in thinking that it might just be a one-year kind of deal. I was surprised we got Vic Koning and Paul Petrino back in the day for Zook when it felt like, God, how long can this thing go on? And it kind of worked. It did for a little bit, but not really. It was a Band-Aid on a gaping wound. So the long-term questions here, unfortunately, the likeliest outcome is that this, what we see right now, and it's nine minutes to go, Illinois kind of driving here with Isaiah Williams, a little bit of an injection of adrenaline into this offense, but... It just seems to me that we're probably going to go two and seven, three and six, right? You aren't going to beat Northwestern in all likelihood. And then you get a crummy Big Ten East team to play in week nine in what is a fairly meaningless game. But if you do get that third win somehow, some way, then that's probably going to be enough for Josh to try to convince the donors and the boosters that, hey, we're going to stay the course for one more year. And you get to that point and you just got to ask yourself, well, what's the point of this? Where are we going? What is there to actually look forward to? Nice first down here on the option play to Chase Brown. Isaiah Williams doing his thing out there. But again, no, I, I, I need to be careful saying this. 
the Nebraska game, as good as Brandon Peters was, I understand why you felt like this guy is the best fit for this team if you want to get some wins this year, right? You put him in for the Nebraska game, that ended up paying off, and then you put him in for this Iowa game, of course, and for one quarter it looked like it was going to pay off as well. But the more that you play him, the less you play Isaiah Williams. Duh. Okay, that's not exactly analysis. But for your future, for your long-term future, we know that Isaiah Williams, that's going to be the guy. And where he goes, this program goes. And instead, because we're trying to get wins to keep this coaching staff here, right? They're trying to save their own jobs. You are in this weird kind of dilemma where you aren't really benefiting your future, 2021, 2022, by not playing Isaiah Williams. And what are you getting in return? You're getting a an inconsistent Brandon Peters that shows you some things sometimes, but against good defenses, it just doesn't amount to much. At the end of the day, I was oddly excited for this game. I like the 2.30 start. You wake up, go for a run, do some errands, run the house on what was a beautiful Saturday, gorgeous Saturday in Champaign-Urbana. And then the game starts and you're feeling really good and thinking, well, this would feel good. And my whole attitude after the Nebraska game was, if it is likely that Lovey is going to stay here, you might as well win two or three more games. What the hell? right? If you're telling me the likely outcome is that we got another year of Lovey Smith, well, you better win some games to see if we can't figure out maybe some recruiting and get this thing turned around so when we get to 2022, the roster is a complete crap, which is, that's kind of where you're headed right now. And then you see this game and it all comes back. Why I've been as cynical about this thing as I have been. Dating back to year three or really year two, when despite it being a rebuild, there were so many areas of just ineptitude that you weren't all that hopeful for the future. Now, as you go into the Northwestern game and you go into week nine, what are we looking for? What are we watching? And I think Jay Lehman said this best, and this is about three, four weeks ago. And this is before the Rutgers win. This is before the Nebraska win. But this is how a lot of people were feeling before that two-game win streak. I guess it is technically a win streak. That there was an apathy setting in. And I get that sense, whether it be through Twitter. This is all anecdotal. But whether it be through Twitter or the group chat with my friends or the chat with Isaac and Trevor, who, hey, credit to them, they said, we got other things to do on this fine Saturday. And Harry's got work. But point being, the apathy is so quickly setting back in. And even in the second quarter, up 14-7, to you could sense where this game was going. And I was not you know, against my inclination to do so. I was not trying to go down that road too early. I figured, okay, I was good. They're top 20 team. Legitimately, despite having an inconsistent quarterback, you know what you get with Iowa. They've had some good wins this year, and I think it's four straight wins for them, right? After losing to Purdue and Northwestern to start this year. So they're good. Losing to Iowa, there's no shame in that. It just feels like we're kind of treading water here. And I don't know what the players feel like. I figured they were pretty pumped for this game, that they felt that they could win this game based on what happened in Iowa City last year. And when this game started going bad, it got bad in a hurry. And it didn't feel like they were going to recover. It didn't feel anything like last year's game in Iowa City. Which, back to the main point of the Lovey Smith era, the good moments, those have been the aberrations. Those have been the exceptions. The rest of it has been this sort of, what am I watching here? Third down and six pass to Navarro. Nice pass, but better defense by Iowa. So Illinois forced it to fourth and six, keeping Isaiah Williams on the field. 7.30 to go, so essentially touchdown or bust here. Again, shot in the arm from Isaiah Williams. Would you have rather seen him earlier? I guess so, but I don't know what difference it makes, ultimately. 
because there are larger issues here than just the quarterback situation. The whole thing, it's kind of a rotten mess, you know, and it was easy to get sucked into, well, if they do this or do that, but come on, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice. Wait, wait, no, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. This fourth down pass is incomplete. I don't know if we're going to get a flag or not. The Iowa player was going after the ball, so no pass interference there. Back to Iowa with 7.31 to go, and they'll just kind of put this game on ice. Yeah, I feel even just talking to you all right now kind of uninspired because I'm watching an uninspired performance. And there's not much anger anymore. It's more apathy. This probably is not going to be the most entertaining podcast to listen to. Uh, We don't have the other guys to kind of play off of. And whatever energy I thought I could muster up is just kind of gone. You know, it's just not there. And I just don't know what else can be said. It's probably already a cyclical argument here. Got to get rid of Lovey Smith. Okay, well, are you going to? I don't know. <laughs> so then we just go into another offseason, understanding the context and the realities of this COVID-impacted year that making a move like that, that's expensive. I, I get all that. I get all that. But you still got to spin it to the fan base. You still got to convince them that this is the right move if you do, in fact, bring Lovey Smith back. And you got to get some recruits because whether Lovey's here or not, you got to have a team. You got to be able to feel the team of decent athletes. Despite what the FS1 guys told you, yeah, there are some nice pieces on this team. But if you look at the depth going forward in 2021 and 2022, that's not the case. And it feels kind of like the end of the Zook era in that even though you know that you're better than where you were at the start, you know you're better than the program that Lovey inherited, but you just don't feel this sense of, yeah, we could do this. I remember distinctly at the end of the Ron Zook era in 2011. You're 6-0, and and there should have been this palpable feeling on campus and in the community that we can do this. Like, by God, he turned it around. We're top 20. We got Ohio State coming into town with Luke Fickle, interim coach. Who knew that he turned out to be a good head coach? What a great opportunity to go 7-0. and We could compete for a Big Ten title here. But that wasn't the sense. People were smart enough to recognize that despite this great start to the season, that didn't really mean anything. And with Lovey, because we were so starved for wins, in 2019, when you go on the four-game win streak, it was like the greatest feeling in the world. And even for Lovey skeptics or cynics like myself, you figured, well, what the hell? They're getting the wins. Maybe this thing will work after all. Because there's no other natural reaction to have as a fan. We had been in the depths, partially because of Lovey and how bad the first three years were and how bad the first part of the fourth year was. We were in the depths. So any sort of win streak was going to feel good. But it felt that much better because of how bad you had been. It's all relative, right? Just as the Rutgers and Nebraska game, it's all relative. You suck so badly in the first three games that the Rutgers win was like, huh? Well, what was that about? You felt good about Isaiah Williams. And then the Nebraska game was utter dominance. So you're thinking, well, wait a second. Did they figure it out just in time? And, and maybe they can go on a win streak to end this year. And maybe they'll fool me again, just like they did the year before when Dave Wisnowski said we should be writing letters to Lovey, apologizing for being Lovey haters. And instead, ultimately, they just are what they are. You know, they are what they are, which is to say not very good. Seven minutes to go, second and five. I haven't really been doing a whole lot of play-by-play, as you can tell. <laughs> and that's just kind of where you're at. An Iowa team that is beatable. Yes, they're playing well. Kirk Friends, you look at what he's done, and you just think, well, we'd love a Kirk Friends. But I think sometimes that's underrating how good he's been. We talk about, yeah, it'd be great to win seven games a year, six, seven games a year, right? And I think we genuinely mean that. But 
You look at Kirk Ferentz, he's more like an eight or nine game a year kind of guy, punctuated by some Big Ten titles in there. And I understand why Iowa fans might think, ah, we aren't a blue blood or anything like that. But you know what? They're really good at what they are. And I would take an Iowa just as quickly as I would becoming Wisconsin, which that's a pretty high bar to set. That's something you don't don't normally see. A previously not so good college football program through the what 60s, 70s, and 80s, and then the mid 90s, all of a sudden they turn into a perennial Big Ten title contender. That does not happen very much. But Iowa, that could happen, right? That could, but you got to get your guy. And I don't know who that guy is. Do you just take a flyer on Nate Shieldhouse and say, I know you're young, I know you've never been a head coach, but what the hell, you're our guy, so we'll give it a shot. I mean, he's learning from one of the best, and Matt Campbell, who's likely your next coach at Michigan. But I don't know who you get. I haven't even made a coaching list because it hasn't seemed like that was a likely outcome. It did after the first three games, but I figured, okay, knowing Lovey and this team, they might sneak out a win or two, unbeknownst to all of us, and sure enough, they won the next two to make us think, well, we'll hold off on that coaching search thing. Or as Breitweiser and I did back in the day, making tiered list of, okay, here's your top tier of guys, here's your backup plan, and here's your wild cards. Uh, you know, maybe there's some guys out there that intrigue you. What is it? The Sean Kelly guy from, is it Akron or Kent State? It, well, another Mac guy, but would that really get the fan base enthused? Akron won 31-3 to today, but again, I can't remember if he's Akron or Kent State. I lose track of the, okay, so no, Akron's one and four. The Sean Kelly guy, this young up-and-comer that reminds me a lot of John Gross, you know, energetic young dude from the Mac. Maybe he's got a high ceiling. He's the he's the Kent State guy. But I don't know. I, I haven't even thought about it. I do wonder if Josh Whitman has these conversations with donors. This is a big first down run and much more. It was a reverse to Smith Marisette, wide receiver reverse with 430 to go. And yeah, I was going to put this thing on ice. You do wonder what back channel conversations may start again after a performance like this and presuming that Northwestern's going to do bad things to you next week. That's the history of the Lovey Smith, Pat Fitzgerald rivalry, which you can't even call it that. But eventually, I, I wish that we were in a position where this would be not even a question. And Let's take the COVID thing out of it, right? Let's take the COVID thing out of it and say that a 12-year game was played. A 12-year game. 12-game year was played. The original schedule. Right now, you're 2-3 and three in conference. Let's say you go to 2-4. and four, And let's project that out in a 12-game season as the schedule was set up. Let's say you would have went 3-6 and six in conference, which is the likely record for Illinois if you think that they're going to win the... What game the week nine crossover against the East? So let's say in a twelve game season they go three and six in the Big Ten. They win their three non conference. They're six and six. They make a bowl game. Technically, that's two bowl games in a row. Not well, not technically it is. And then would that have been enough for Josh Whitman to say, "Yep, we're going to run it back"? Now, if you are actually holding your athletic program and your football program to high standards, it's not. I understand relative to Illinois past history, two bowl games in a row is not something you would normally fire a coach after. But if it looked like this, and let's be honest, if this were full season, it would have looked just like this because Lovey's not that good of a coach and he doesn't have that good of a coaching staff. This is what the team would have been, mediocre to not very good. And three non-conference wins would have merely shrouded their deficiencies. But it bothers me that in that situation, taking the pandemic out of it, you play the season as is, and I still think Josh Whitman would have run it back. 
because he wants to see this thing through. Maybe it's pride. Maybe he sees something I don't. Maybe he just likes Lovey a lot. I don't know. But it's not good enough. So the simple equation would be figure out the money situation, go out and fire this guy, pay the measly buyout, because it is measly compared to most other coaches. What is it, one year's salary, basically, on top of the remainder of his contract? I don't know, something like that. But regardless, it is affordable if you get your donors to ante up. And that should be the sales job right now, because as bad as the financials may be, the money that you're paying Lovey Smith, you wouldn't have to pay any more to the next coach. Your budget would essentially be the same except for the buyout. And you get someone to donate that. I know you got to go back to that well again, and that's probably not a fun situation to do that. Hey, you know, sorry to give you a call again, Shad, but we could certainly use some help. I know you got that, what, English Premier League team? You got the Jacksonville Jaguars? Well, your alma mater really needs you again, presuming that Shad Khan was a factor in the Levy Smith hire. I don't know if we ever got that confirmed or not, but... It just seems like it should not be a question, and yet it is. And because of that, I do start questioning Josh Whitman until the move is made. You might be thinking, well, as Jeremy has said on Twitter before, well, Carp, are you getting pre-mad? Pre-mad. I don't know about pre-mad. I'm I'm not even mad. I'm just kind of tired of being tired with this football program. Isn't that what alcoholics say? They say, well, I'm just tired. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Well, as an Illini fan, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired of watching these games and not getting any different outcome and not getting any joy from it. And knowing that other fan bases, they get to experience that on the regular. They get to experience that. And I don't even need the highest of highs. I don't need Rose Bowl appearances. As fun as that was to go out there, it wasn't so fun to get your ass kicked and get that slice of humble pie to realize that, no, you're still Illinois. I will gladly take the Sun Bowl, the Pinstripe Bowl. I'll take what Indiana was before this year, before they turned into this rising juggernaut. And I got to check what that score is right now for that Wisconsin-Indiana game. And look at this. They're going to win at Wisconsin without their starting quarterback. 14-6, to 52 seconds to go. Tom Allen, out of all the guys that were hired in the last four or five years, Tom Allen is the one that's going to stick. Not Harbaugh, not Lubby, Tom Allen. How about that? Why can't we get a Tom Allen? Maybe the guy from Buffalo, Lance Leopold, right? Not the sexiest hire. He's kind of older, but he's figured something out there. I don't know how good of a recruiter he would be, but how good of a recruiter is Tom Allen? Better than Lubby. They all are, but he's, he's not... Ron Zook over there in Bloomington, Indiana, and he's getting it done. So maybe the path is just getting a good coach. Because last time I checked, it's been a long time since we've had a good coach. Lovey ain't good. Bill Cubitt, well, he was what he was. He was an older guy that had coached in the MAC before, didn't inherit a great, great situation, but he certainly didn't maximize what that team had. Tim Beckman, duh, not a very good coach. Ron Zook, great recruiter, not a good coach. None of these guys have went on to have success anywhere else because no one else wants them. So maybe the obvious pick is the guy that just took over a whatever program at Buffalo and just wins a bunch of games. It's not going to be a sexy hire. It's not going to get you excited. But you also know he's probably going to turn you into a, a respectable football program. And when I look at the likes of Nebraska and Purdue in their little shoving match today, which who, who ended up winning that game? It was yeah Nebraska won 37-27. In Minnesota, how they've kind of floundered. Maybe there's still a window of opportunity here where if you just get to respectability, you can compete for that middle of the pack in the Big Ten West every year. 
And you see other programs like Northwestern, they are not doing it with superior talent. They're doing it because they got a hell of a coach. And I, that bothers me to say, you know how I feel about Pat Fitzgerald and all that rah-rah crap, but you know what? It works. It does. And maybe a Lance Leipold or something like that. And see, here I go. Mental gymnastics, trying to figure out, well, maybe this coach will work. Maybe that one. I hate being in this situation again. As much as I want Lovey gone, I hate being in the situation, whether it's this offseason or next offseason, where we're going to enter a coaching carousel and maybe not get the guy that we really want. Looks like a touchdown here for Iowa to extend, extend this lead even more. And that'll be 35 unanswered points for the Hawkeyes. 35 unanswered. That just pisses me off. I say I'm not really angry, but ineptitude across the board. I know there's been some injuries today, but just a bad football program, a bad product from a bad coach. Pack your bags. Get out of here, lovey. You know, this is... I noticed Wednesday night there was one moment in that game against Baylor where the frustration came out and you say things and you hope that the emotional fan response doesn't come back and bite you or make you look like a small person. But I'm just tired of this. I apologize for not having my A game today. I, I, I know I don't. I know I don't. This is by no means one of the better podcasts. But what the hell is there to say? They stink. They stink. And let the season play out. I was going to do that. I was trying to give them every benefit of the doubt. But eventually, if you want to go to Memorial Stadium when fans are allowed back, presumably next year, so that's why the end of the tunnel, we'll be back in lot 31. We'll be back in the stadium next year. But if you want it to be 25,000 other people in Lovey Smith year six, or maybe you try to salvage what you have on this roster as you have it, before they're all gone after 2021, or at least a lot of them are. You try to salvage what you got with a halfway decent coach so he can start recruiting and get this thing going, and you don't have to go in the full depths of a rebuild. And that's what you're looking at. By the way, total yardage, Iowa 425 to 273. If you look at what Illinois' offense has done after those first two scoring drives, this is Matt Nagy-esque. I watch two football teams that can't move the damn ball down the field, that have inept offenses. Rod Smith, I don't know how the hell he's making half a million dollars to put this product on the field. He's got enough to do better, and yet he doesn't. On and on we go. Bad coach after bad coach. Failed coordinator after failed coordinator. And I know they're trying their best. I know, but it isn't good enough. And it's sort of, not to pile on, I know they don't feel good about it. I know they're trying to figure out how they can get this ship righted. But five years is enough. It is plenty of time. No one's going to judge you for getting rid of Lovey Smith in a COVID-19 year if he goes 2-6 and six, or, God forbid, 3-5 and five, and he wins that final game and Josh Whitman likely uses that as reason to keep him. I just, I'm so sick of being in this position. I think about the 10 years that I've been doing radio slash podcasting proper. I think about those 10 years dating back to 2010 and it's just been the same thing over and over. It's like, how often can you come behind a microphone and try to give, you know, the sports talky kind of breakdown of a football team when every time you get into November, or in this case, when you get into December for this team in this weird year, there's just not any excitement that you can generate, at least not naturally. And, you know, when you're doing with Lon and Jeremy, we had a lot of fun, even in the depths of 
how bad that was. And with Breitweiser, same thing. And and honestly, this is probably one of those situations where having Isaac or Trevor or Harry to share in this misery, <laughs> you, you get a little bit more upbeat carp. But but eventually, even if we were talking with all those guys, I think we would, if Lon and I and Jeremy were sitting in a studio doing a show again after a game like this on a Monday, I think we look at each other like, well, we got to do this again. Can we just talk about movies or something? Because there is not a whole lot here to break down. 35-14, clock winding down. Isaiah Williams is 3 for 9 for 19 yards. Iowa outclassed you. And, man, you know what makes this worse? I'm glad that this team, I would rather have Illinois have a chip on their shoulder. I liked what I was hearing out of camp. We're going to show them. That's great. You know what? Do this us against the world thing. Whatever you got to do to get your mojo going, whatever you got to do to feel like you get your swagger and all that. And then you came out this year. By the way, Graham Mertz has sucked. Graham Mertz has sucked since that game. So let's not forget that the Wisconsin game at the beginning of the year, Wisconsin is not all that great this year, and they kicked your ass up and down the field. Brandon Peters was terrible. Graham Mertz was record-setting first start for any Big Ten quarterback, and he hasn't done crap since. I know they've been impacted by COVID, but they aren't all that good. Just like I've been hoping Wisconsin football would kind of slide back down to mediocrity at some point. They might just be. I don't know. But it didn't matter. You still went up there and laid an egg. Iowa, you laid an egg. Minnesota-Purdue, you laid an egg. Who did you beat? Rutgers, they still suck. Nebraska, who knows what the hell Scott Frost is doing there because sometimes his offense is great, sometimes it isn't. But that program is not, it ain't Nebraska of even the Bill Callahan era. Not much to write home about. The season is going to end and you're going to ask, well, what was your favorite part of it? And you're going to say, Nebraska, I guess. That was fun, maybe. Or maybe a week nine win against a bad Michigan team. (laughs) I could see that happening. And then it's like, well, we beat Michigan. Think about this. We beat Nebraska and Michigan. Clearly signs of progress. Not really. And this is this is what you hate too. Already with 45 seconds to go in the game. Sorry, voice cracking there. 45 seconds to go in the game. They're showing the copyright 2020 Big Ten Conference. They're ready to sign off and move on with their evening on FS1. Ugh. Vegas was right. Freezing cold take from Carp earlier after Illinois took a 14-0 lead when I said, I think Vegas might have had the spread wrong on this one. Nope, 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 nope. They had it right. They had it right because Illinois is not very good. I hate to wrap it up on that note. I, I do apologize for not having more to bring to the table today. Maybe this would have been something that would have been better on Sunday, but frankly, I want to spend a Sunday not thinking about this crap. It's just tiring. It's just very tiring. I recall distinctly in 2008, it was the Illinois Western Michigan game, and it was on Big Ten Network before we had it on Comcast locally. Maybe Comcast just didn't have a period. Had to go to Legends to watch it. And when that game was over, I went to close my tab. And the lady behind the counter, she looked at me. She was like, are you okay? I must have a thousand yard stare. Because it hit me then that, oh, right, that that fun Rose Bowl thing, that was fleeting. This This is still Illinois football. And I know the common jokes have been the, you know, Charlie Brown, trying to kick it, and Lucy takes the football away at the last second. That is the life of an Illini football fan. It really is. And thank God that I'm more of an Illini basketball fan than football. But for most of my life, we have been the easy win on other team schedules. 
It's a great university. We have an athletic program that has some things to be proud of. But anything that we celebrate with this football team, and a nice touchdown here from Isaiah Williams to number 20, who doesn't have a name on the back of his jersey. But it's somebody. I don't know. We'll, we'll get that figured out soon enough. But uh, Carlos Sandy. There we go. But it's just uh, tiring. You know, again, apologies for not having a better podcast for you all. I feel like I kind of let you down in terms of the content and the quality of it. And you might feel the same way. You know, there are some external factors in my life right now that, you know, have also kind of impacted how I'm approaching this game where, you know, I shouldn't be upset by it because there are, uh, there are things in life to actually be upset about and actually put emotion and energy towards. And I, I won't go into any details about that, just other than I hope that you and your loved ones are, are safe and healthy this holiday season. That's all I can wish for anybody. But this just, you know, for the distraction that you hope sports can be and for the little kind of glimmer of fun and excitement that you hope it can offer in this year of all years, instead... It's just really kind of annoying at this point. Um, all right, I'm going around in circles. I got to thank DP Doe, online at dpdoe.com. $5 Cal Zones, use coupon code MIKE, $6 Premium Construction Zones. dpdoe.com, they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. Got to thank 4th and Kirby, online at 4thandkirby.com. Use coupon code 200 level for 10% off your order. Don't let my sort of depressed demeanor fool you. I will be back and ready for Tuesday rock my fourth and Kirby swag for the program on this campus that actually matters. Okay. Fourth and Kirby. Awesome stuff. Just in time for Christmas coupon code 200 level of fourth and Kirby.com. Steve from agent, Brian Hansen online at Brian is my guy.com for life, auto home, business renters, you name it. We had a great experience with Brian and his staff, super easy. And of course you get great state farm prices. Brian is my guy.com. Alana inquire champagne showers, podcast network. We will be back Tuesday. Hopefully for a fun podcast. We really need Illinois basketball with the spirits here. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're staying safe. And have a good rest of your weekend. Maybe take a break from football. I'm not even going to watch the Bears tomorrow. I don't need to subject myself to three more hours of bad football. I'm going to spend my Sunday watching movies and not thinking about sports. But hey, you do you. Plus, I had a bad day betting. I'm the worst gambler in the world. I feel like I should just spend the uh, remaining 70 bucks in my account on one game. And if I win, I do. And if I don't, I'm done. But, uh, geez, I sound miserable, don't I? Have a good rest of your night. Have a good rest of your weekend. We'll see you Tuesday. And uh, go Illini, I guess. I don't even know anymore. It is the 200 level. 